Hello, my friend. Jeff C. here with a great new resource that I put together just for you. It's a complete database of all the tools that I use to create content and run my business. I've got apps, software, hardware, and even my favorite AI tools. It's easy to find what you need and tells you exactly how I'm using them in my business. To get access to my toolbox, just go to jeffc.com forward slash toolbox. That's J-E-F-F. S is in Sam, I-E-H. That's I before E, especially in C. That's how my mama had me learn it. So go check it out. And if you haven't heard me say it in a while, I appreciate you listening, my friend. And now, on with the episode. Keeping you up to date on the world of social media. Industry experts, innovators, creators, storytellers, and the latest social media tools, tips, and tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Welcome to Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C. And you're not. And I'm Eric Fisher. And this is the show that keeps you up to date on what's happening in the world of social media. In today's episode of Social Media News Live, we'll look at how to optimize the new LinkedIn live video events, explore trends in live shopping, and learn how live video may be used in as a repurposing engine, which is one of Ian and I's favorite things to do. But we're also going to be talking about how live video will play into Zuckerberg's vision of the metaverse. What? Yeah, we're going to be talking about that. So... Ian, so glad that you're here with us today. Excited to uh, once again talk to you as always. I'm excited to be here. I'm normally in the comments posting kind of encouraging, sarcastic comments and, and things. So it's great to be here in person. <laughs> That's right. Speaking of somebody who's here, he was he was gone last week and we missed you. Uh, Gary is in the comments. He goes, hey, you beautiful people. Good morning. Good morning to you, Gary Stockton. Uh, beautiful to see you here. As always, thank you for watching over on YouTube. So I wanted to introduce my uh, pal, Ian, if you don't know who Ian Anderson Gray is. He is the founder of the Confident Live Marketing Academy and is the host of of the Confident Live Marketing Podcast. He helps entrepreneurs to level up their impact, authority, and profits by using live video confidently. He is the founder of Seriously Social, a blog uh, focused on live video and social media tools. He's an international speaker. He's a trainer, a teacher, a consultant. He has a passion for making the techno babble of live video and social media marketing easy to understand, as well as being a geek, a husband, a dad to two kids. Ian is also a professional singer. If you've ever checked out his uh, shows, you'll, you'll know that. And he lives near Manchester in the United Kingdom. Ian, thank you so much, my friend. Oh, it's great, great to be here. I'm just thinking the whole international speaker thing. It feels like I shouldn't be saying that at the moment because like, I can't go anywhere. That's right. So, like, it's, well, well, international could be like your living room. We'll just call it that. So, well, okay. You're in the UK, Ian, you're in the UK right now, and we've got people in another country, yeah. including us, watching you speak. So it, it works. Yeah. You're not yeah. lying. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Ian, I've seen Ian, I've seen you you and I have known each other for years now and I've known you doing live video the entire time. I'm curious, what is your view and like what what have you seen in terms of like live video changes since when you started? It's just become so much easier. When I started, uh, well, I mean when I officially started it was 2016. There's been live video around before that, I mean, you could argue like back in the in the noughties, live video was around. But you know, back in 2016, you needed to fiddle around with. I'm going to use some technical words here: RTMP and stream keys and <laughs> OBS Studio and all this kind of stuff. And if you've already kind of your brain is gone to mush, 
you don't need to worry anymore because it's so much easier to use uh, live video and more uh, more platforms. LinkedIn Live has become a thing and uh, it's Periscope was a thing and it's died and now we've got Twitter Live. So it's a lot easier. It's also, I think, because of the pandemic, a lot of people have jumped into the deep end. They've been thinking about going live for ages and ages, and then they realized they had no choice. They had to embrace live video in 2020. So a lot more people are using it. And a lot of the tools out there are trying to improve with new features and exciting things as well. So it's a great time to uh, embrace live video. People have been saying, this is the year of live video. Uh, and I, I, I think 2019, 2018 was the, the year of live video, but 2021 is a, an exciting year for live video. There's so much happening. Yes, I totally agree. And one of the things that, you know, both Ian and I and Eric love about live video is the ability to have a community and talk to people across the globe. And we have some amazing people in the comments that I want to give a shout out to. Sabrina is here. She goes, hello, friends. And she usually says, hello, this is Sabrina. I say, hello, Sabrina, this is Jeff. So I feel a little weird today. It's Ian's here. Sabrina's <laughs> doing new things. I don't know what's going on. Um, and so um, Garen says, you're a worldwide keynote speaker. How about that? Yeah, everybody knows that'll, who that'll Ian do. is. But Mike Alton has a good point. He goes, Ian really needs to grow a beard <laughs> to hang out with you guys. So if you guys don't know, listening to the podcast, uh, Eric and I have beards, uh, but Ian sadly does not. Mike, so. you need to take it up with my wife. That's all I can say, because she, she would not be happy if I grew yes. a beard. Yes, yes. Sabrina goes, I switched it up. And Elisa filled in. She goes, hello, friends. This is Elisa. So thank you. I feel better now. Uh, Katie, thank you for uh, tuning in today. Um, but here's some good questions. So since we're talking about live video today, we'll get this right out of the way. Uh, Karim says, are you guys using Restream? We are using Restream to broadcast to multiple places at the same time. So Restream has a really cool thing right now uh, called Pairs, where I could send this link to Ian, and he's able to connect uh, with all his channels the same way with Eric. So we're using that to broadcast everywhere and then uh, Blair goes what software are you guys using for this live stream we are using Ecamm and that's what allows me to create this amazing show pull up these uh, amazing lower thirds have different shots of Ian and so that's what I've built the show in so if you can imagine a live show uh, you can create it with Ecamm and you can find out more about that at socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm but one of the reasons that uh, we love Ecamm so much. It's not just for live shows. You can make it, use it for presentations. Ian is the one who actually told me about the virtual camera, which allows me to um, actually do all this cool stuff with uh, in Zoom or on other platforms. So it's really, really cool. Are you using the virtual camera right now, Ian? I am, yeah. Yeah, so I'm using it. What are some other ways that you use uh, the virtual camera in Ecamm? Well, you see, you can you can put on like overlays, uh, like I mean, this this won't work probably, but uh, yes, showing all our notes. notes. Oh, extreme close up, very very cool. Well, like, you know, sound effects, uh, or you can even play like your your intro things like that. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah, loads of things. It's it's great. I mean, if you're doing uh, like a presentation as well, uh, you can, uh, for example, if I'm showing my screen on on there. That's mm -hmm. not very exciting. But if I was presentation live, then I could cycle through my slides uh, on the, on the screen, and just make it look a bit more interesting. So lots of cool things you can do. Yes. So yeah. So thanks. Uh, 
I mean, yeah, so there's a lot of questions about what we're using. Uh, those are the two tools that I use, and I, I know Ian uses too, as, as, as I use Ecamm to create the mm-hmm. show and then Restream to stream it out everywhere because they only have to send one signal out, and that way my computer doesn't take a big hit. So very, very cool. If you have more questions about that, make sure you ask us in the comments, and I'll try to get to those later on because I know it's it's uh, kind of confusing like when we're switching all these scenes and how do we do all that stuff and we make sure that you guys are taken care of but yeah ecamm is what makes it happen uh with the way that it looks and then restream is what we use to send it out to go to multiple places so did i explain you're the live video expert ian did i explain it well <laughs> i think you no i think you explained that really well i mean you okay. can use restream on its own you can use restream studio right. yeah, that's the kind of more of a, a simple way of doing it and you can bring in guests or you can use uh i mean it's uh, ecamm live is mac-based software mm-hmm. and and it works beautifully with Restream. And it sends the, the thing I love about it is you can broadcast to all these different channels uh, and then Restream will then take all the comments, all these amazing comments uh, across all the places, yes. including on my channels. So I'm, you know, I know you're broadcasting to my channels as well. And those comments pop back to your Ecamm and then you can see them and highlight them on the screen. It's kind of magic really i, don't I remember we wanted this so bad like back in the day with google plus we had to have like a comment tracker and all this stuff and now it's super simple um so and uh, kareem says thanks for answering uh loving the background display when three are in the shot so you need two bits of software restream and ecamp that's what i use you don't have to do it but for the custom stuff that i'm doing it just makes sense and it doesn't tax my computer as much doing it that way um so and Katie says, "Love that promo video. Isn't that cool? They they those guys put together so many cool spots. I'm I'm excited to show you some more uh, in future shows. And let's see, Chris, our friend Chris Stone from Dealcasters says, Ecamm virtual camera rocks. Uh, I don't go live without it. So very very cool. So uh, yes, Dustin goes and there's our weekly Google Plus reference. That's right. <laughs> I am set in my ways, my friend." So let's go on with the show. We're going to be talking this first segment about these new LinkedIn Live updates. So I love LinkedIn Live. I was lucky enough to get access pretty early on with the help of like um, uh, Jim Fuse and some other people. And uh, I've been getting great engagement over there. My videos do well over there. So here's the skinny on the LinkedIn Live uh, update. So a scheduled live stream will automatically now create a public event post. So when you create a scheduled live stream on one of our third-party streaming software partner platforms, those are like Restream, Social Live, StreamYard, and Switcher, it'll automatically show up on LinkedIn feed as a LinkedIn event post. So this has freaked me out for the last couple of weeks because I had it, they were testing it on me super early. I'm like, why is this an event? I don't understand. So this change this change combines the discovery benefits of LinkedIn events with the viral reach and engagement of LinkedIn Live. So you'll be able to schedule a live stream. One one more one thing you can able to do is you can do it more than seven days in advance. And for pages with LinkedIn Live access, any super administrator or content page administrator can go live on behalf of the page. Individual administrations no longer have to apply for access. And there's no longer a limit on the number of admins that can go live on behalf of the page. So that's very, very cool. So, Ian, I wanted to ask you, one, have you gotten access to this yet? And how is this, like, how are you using LinkedIn Live? And how is it different from, like, Facebook Live and YouTube Live and all that? I love this new feature from LinkedIn. And I have had it for a couple of weeks, I think. And it's... I think it's what all the other platforms should be be using because like on Facebook, you can create, you can create a scheduled live event or 
well, a scheduled live broadcast. So say I'm going live next Tuesday, I can go live to my page and it will create a post. But as well as that, I could create an event and it's all very confusing. That's the problem. Whereas right. I think what LinkedIn are doing is they're just combining everything. It just is, it's really smart. So you go live, but as well as that, it creates an event and they are linked. And with LinkedIn, the, the, one of the things I really love is the ability. If you have guests on your show, then you can tag them. There's actually speak, a speakers section. So you can actually add them. And I think I did this with uh, Jeff and, and Eric and, and you both got a, an email or notification. And you yeah, in said yes. yes. And so it all appears there. And uh, I think it's great. I love what they're doing. They seem to be really innovating, but in a really thoughtful way. Whereas I, fe I feel with Facebook, it's still very clunky. Um, with, I mean, we, we won't go into the whole announcement posts, uh, thing <laughs> that they create. Cause it, I know that mm -hmm. it does your head in Jeff. Um, but, uh, this is when you, uh, go, when you create a scheduled post, it will give you that scheduled live post. And then when you go live that schedule, that announcement post will then say, Jeff is now live. Well, thank you. Uh, why don't you just make that the live right. video itself? But anyway, uh, so I think LinkedIn is doing some great stuff there. I love what they're doing. I, I think the quality is great. I think the engagement is great. And I'm really excited about LinkedIn Live and what they're doing. I think it's they're really thinking about the, the whole experience of the platform, which is great. Yeah. I agree. Ian, you've had this, you've, you've had this for a little while. So have you had any ideas bubble up in terms of what these changes mean in terms of uh, businesses and how they can take advantage of these new changes for their LinkedIn live? Well, in some ways it's quite a subtle change. I, I mean, businesses have been able to use LinkedIn live for a while. I, I, the, the scheduled part of LinkedIn live, I mean, this gives you the ability to have a, a URL that you can then share out. So you can send it to your customer base by email or on social. That's been a while, uh, been around for quite a while. It wasn't there right at the start when LinkedIn launched, but they added that. Uh, but I think what this does is it gives more of a, a detailed experience of when you get to LinkedIn. So when people click on it, it will give much more information about the event date, the time, the end time, and the speakers as well. So it's just a better experience overall. In some ways, it's quite quite subtle, but I think this is good. And I know, Jeff, you were mentioning the, the ability to now to schedule more than seven days in advance. Mm -hmm. That's exciting. I mean, YouTube, uh, you can schedule up to a year in advance. Facebook is up to a week. I haven't tested this with LinkedIn. But I think that's going to be interesting. This allows you to be much more organized and you could, uh, you know, you could schedule a whole six months in advance mm. if you wanted to. The, 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 there are two issues with that, though, that I, I just want to highlight. First of all, if you are using a tool like Restream and you are going to be multicasting, multi-streaming, whatever you want to call it, so you're broadcasting to more than one platform at the same time, then you have to kind of work with the lowest common denominator, which is Facebook. So Facebook only allows up to a week in advance. So if you're going to live to Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn, it's the maximum you're going right. to be able to schedule in advance is one week. Um, so that's that's one thing to, to think about. And then the other thing that I was going to say, I've completely forgotten because I was just focusing on that no, one. But yeah, what were you going to say? So I have a question about... Um, 
Because one of the things that we talked about when I was kind of doing that whole spiel about the news uh, about LinkedIn was that uh, the whole pages thing that you can have multiple admins on your pages. Now, my question is, when should you create a live for your page versus your individual account? So I have like Social Media News Live has a page on LinkedIn but I usually stream to the Jeff C profile because one, I didn't have access when I first started this thing and I just got people trained. And also I just kind of think that uh, a person is in more engaging than, uh, you know, a, a yeah. company page. What are your thoughts on that? And when should you use a page versus like your individual or does it matter? What are your thoughts? Yeah. Well, at the moment it's still LinkedIn is still, as we say in the UK in closed beta, uh, so you have to you have to apply for LinkedIn Live, and then you have to make a choice. Uh, do you want to have access on your profile or on your page? Now, I think for most individuals or small businesses, if if you are a solopreneur, I hate that word, but or entrepreneur, <laughs> then you have to make that. Uh, you you have to make a choice, but I think go for the profile first, because if pages are just much more difficult to get have that engagement and to grow that audience it, it just is it just is that way obviously if you are a bigger brand and a business then absolutely a page right. so i think it's just down to that are you are you representing a big um a big brand or a, a, a company go for a company but for the most most of us i think for you for me um I think it makes sense to to go for uh, the profile. You're going to get much more engagement that way, and a lot of people just prefer to engage with other people. Um, so I would do it that way. And if you are if you are going to go live to a page, then do make sure that you don't hide behind your corporate identity and you do make it personable. You make you do put the human forwards because that's one of the big advantages with live video. It does. It is all about the human and the transparency so uh use it in that way very cool so i'm curious uh now that they've added this extended time to schedule on linkedin do you feel like you should take it full advantage and you know schedule it out a full week in advance or is there maybe a shorter window um what what's maybe yeah. a best practice that, or, or what should they try and experiment with well, and thank you, Eric, because you <laughs> reminded me of what I, I'd forgotten before, which is be careful when you schedule a long time in advance, because like life happens, things change. Right. And what if you need to change it? Now, I've not tested this, but in the past, LinkedIn Live has not given you the ability to do much editing. You can edit the, I know you can edit the, the description afterwards. I haven't tested whether you can change the date and the time. It used to be that you couldn't. So I would be very careful if you have to change the date and time later, or you have to cancel, then that's going to be problematic. So I think you always need to have that in mind. But if there's something that is going to be happening, maybe you've got a big event happening in two months time, and it's absolutely going to happen, then uh, yeah, do it, do it and, and experiment. Uh, I would just say that most people don't really think about an event until fairly close to it. So I think it's more for you than for other people. Um, it's allowing you to be more organized, not get more people to sign up because most people, let's be frank, they're not going to think about it until a couple of days before at the very right. <laughs> earliest, I think. 
I think there's only a certain people like Ian show I will put on my calendar, but other people, I just kind of show up. So, um, one of the things uh, talking about how important LinkedIn live is Martin, uh, Buckland over on LinkedIn says uh, live video has enlarged and enhanced my brand. Each time I go live Tuesday at two, I secure, I secure two new clients minimum. So that is awesome. That is very, very cool. And I know they're doing a bunch of rollouts. Um, like, and Katie says, I just got access to LinkedIn Live. So if you haven't gotten it yet, keep applying because I know they're letting a lot more people through. She goes, got LinkedIn Live for the first time on Tuesday. Exciting. Katie, I'm excited to see what you're going to put uh, out on LinkedIn Live. That goes to the an, another question, Ian. So a couple of weeks ago, um, Louise Brogan was on the show talking all about LinkedIn, and she talked about the importance of getting comments on your videos on LinkedIn. So how can we increase engagement during our LinkedIn lives? Because sometimes we think of like LinkedIn is not the most engaging platform, maybe like a Facebook or a YouTube. I've seen really good results over there, but what are your thoughts about increasing engagement for your live videos? Yeah, well, I, I think you can't force it. And LinkedIn Live, the, the people watching on LinkedIn can be a little bit quieter. So don't uh, don't worry overly about it, because at the end of the day, if you're being consistent with your content, with your lives, and if you're turn, turning up regularly and you're engaging with the comments there, then people over time will have the confidence to do that. But don't, don't worry if people don't comment. Uh, I, one of the things I've learned from you, Jeff, is make sure that you prepare questions in advance. Don't just rely on those comments. That is absolutely vital. Uh, and don't get depressed by the, the number of comments that you have if you don't have that many comments, because that can get you down if you're not having that many. However, there are some things that you can do to improve things. So, you know, ask what ask people simple questions uh like it, it could be very, they could be very mundane but like for example it's a friday like what are people up to today what what are you going to be having for dinner later i mean ideally relate it to what we're talking about but sometimes uh ha asking some very simple questions making sure that the answers that the answers that people can give can be short so the, the, you could because people are, might be typing on their phone as well. So don't mm. ask for big long uh, monologues. Essay questions, uh, yeah, yeah. Essay questions. You know, in in five hundred words or less, <laughs> what is your favorite type of food? That might not be the the best thing. I mean, something. Some sometimes I will ask. You know, where people are watching in the world? What device are they watching on? Are they watching on a phone or you know something like that? Or um, just. Get, get, get some questions going, but don't worry overly if, if people aren't. It just might, the, the thing is people might not be in the situation that they can. They might be uh, watching while they're on, um, while they're walking and it would not be a good idea for them to comment uh, right. while walking because they might walk into a tree and that would be awful. So uh, just, just, just be patient with it. And over time you will get more people commenting, I promise you. So I, there, that made me think of, we had Diana Gladney on, and I know she was on your show just, I think yesterday. Mm. Uh, and she told me one of the things she does for engagement is she asks a polarizing question. So one of the ones she asks is it's a strawberry jelly or grape jelly. And everybody has opinion on that. And like, you could also do like, uh, you know, like, coriander well you call it coriander it's it's um actually cilantro or no cilantro because that's another thing mm. that people really get 
up in arms about should you use it or not or whatever. And I guess you could be like, you know, beans for breakfast or no beans for breakfast in the UK, bangers and mash. I don't know. Yeah. Your stuff. So, yeah, I, I think, well, this is something that uh, you've had Janet Murray on the show yeah. before and she does this, it, you know, she actually gets these slides, uh, these graphics and puts them on the screen. And it is, it is like that, uh, these kind of polarizing questions or, uh, you know, the kind of things that you've just been talking about. So you could create those in advance and just pop them up on the screen. If you if you start your show with a countdown timer, countdown timers can get a bit boring. So why not just put a bit of, um, put some images on the screen, get get a bit of engagement right from the start. Because the thing is, the it, this is true about engagement. If you start to get comments right at the beginning of your show, or then Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, all these channels say, say to themselves, I mean, if the algorithm was a human, it would start talking to itself. So, oh, this looks like quite a popular live show. I think I'm going to share th show this in the feed a little bit more. Let's ramp up the algorithm, lads, you know, and that's what happens. Uh, when they, I didn't know when Facebook had an English accent. That's really cool, though. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, yeah. That, it speaks with a northern English accent. So uh, that's what that's what happens. So I think it's important to to try and get that engagement and don't be afraid don't be afraid of asking your friends and your family particularly when you're first starting out with this to get involved and comment uh, at the start because that will help the algorithm a little bit uh, and you know this 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 has happened for centuries you know when you went to the theater or the opera or something like that there would be people there in in the audience that would shout and uh, and clap uh, and they, they were there to kind of get get the atmosphere up a little bit more so don't be afraid of doing that yeah with. we when i did magic those were called plants and so we would have plants not not yeah. green plants but plants in the audience and I, I i when i first started doing live shows i did that all the time i'd say hey ian will you come you don't have to stay the whole time but will you go there and ask a question and you know so i don't look like i'm by myself it is totally okay to do that uh and so don't feel bad about doing that because well, I think everybody who first started has done that to some extent or another. Scott, our friend Scott Ayers says, uh, trivia questions are a great, great way to get engagement, especially if there's a giveaway. So uh, we'll have to show up for Scott and ask, you know, on his next live stream what he's giving away because I have we all, we all want free stuff, don't That's we? Right. That's right. That's right. So, yes. all right, Eric, let's go, into, go ahead and move to our next segment, which uh, we've kind of covered on the show before, but it, it continues to have things break about it, about live shopping uh, with live video. Yes. So TikTok live shopping tactics. TikTok is expanding its investment in e-commerce. Uh, earlier this year, they started piloting uh, TikTok shopping in the US, the UK, Canada, and it was a partnership with Spotify. And that deal allowed Spotify merchants with a TikTok for business account to add a shopping tab to their TikTok profiles. And so they could sync their products uh, catalogs to the app and create these mini storefronts. Well, now TikTok has announced that uh, they're adding a slate of new brand partners for TikTok shopping, including Square, Equid, PrestaShop, with Wix, Shopline, OpenCart, and Base coming soon. And they're opening up a much fuller slate of solutions for TikTok commerce, including ad products, and later this year, a TikTok shopping API. That is very interesting. Mm -hmm. um, this is kind of mind-blowing, actually, in a lot of ways. Um, we've, we've been talking about live video here, uh, and, and live stream shopping obviously has already been a thing, and it's getting stronger. But, uh, Ian, what do you think about businesses starting their live shopping strategy? 
I, well, I, I think it's absolutely vital for so many company, we, companies out there for, I mean, we've talked about Amazon Live before. Amazon Live is a very, very exciting platform. And so it makes sense for uh, networks like TikTok to be launching this. And we know how huge TikTok is. Whether you love or loathe TikTok, uh, it is absolutely something that retailers need to be looking at at the moment. This this is going to be huge, and I'm, I'm. Although this is not something I will particularly be using myself, uh, my clients and many people I know definitely should be looking at this. I think this is very very exciting, um, and you need to get that experience now of getting in front of the camera. You need to find somebody within your business who is going to be the face of your brand of your of your company and who's going to be, have that uh, have that experience of getting in front of the camera and selling stuff because there is definitely a, a there's, there's there's you've got you've got to get that experience first because it, there is definitely a, a knack to doing it absolutely yeah one of the things that um, I thought was interesting you know and my daughter even showed me this that there was this uh, this TikTok uh, a hashtag, which was TikTok made me buy it. And then they were posting these products and then these influencers were getting, you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, sales from that kind of stuff. And so we actually, I mean, this is online selling too. We actually stream as well. And I was just talking while you were going, because it's, it's still kind of clunky uh, over on Amazon Live. Uh, Adrian Salisbury from Ecamm was over there saying hi, because he's going to be on the show in a couple weeks. And, you know, I, I, I talk about like my, you know, when we have the uh, the stream deck where I switch in these lower thirds and all that stuff. And I'm talking about that and I'm able to highlight that underneath um, the show and make sales that way. So it's, it's already here. Um, mm -hmm. It's already coming. So, you know, Eric asked about how, you know, businesses start thinking about their streaming strategy. It's also really important. There's been mar multiple articles about how important it is for businesses to partner with influencers. And the interesting thing was those influencers don't have to have like a huge following. Uh, it's based on expertise. So what do you recommend businesses start to look for in partnerships? I know you and I have both been on the partner. We've been on the kind of the partnership side. What are your thoughts of like what what? What businesses, what should they look for? Oh, it's, a, it's, it's quite a minefield, but it's, you shouldn't be put off and by, by the, the complexity of it all because there are, first of all, don't be overly excited by going for the big names. As you were saying, it doesn't have to be the big names, the, you know, the mega influencers or the macro influencers. You know, there's, you can go for micro influencers. There's even a term which I learned relatively recently called nano influencers, people who have under a thousand followers. Mm -hmm. And the thing is you're looking for people, first of all, who love what you do and get what you do. That is absolutely vital. Not only that though, they, the people that follow them also have to love or potentially love what you do too. And so you've got to go out there and find not just one, but maybe a dozen of these nano or micro influencers and work with them. They don't have to have a huge following. In fact, there are advantages in them not having a huge following. They're far more likely to want to work with you. Uh, and they may, with the, the nano influencers, they may not actually require much in return. Having said that, I do think you do need to uh, invest in these 
influencers because they might be small now, but they might be bigger later on through your help. And so look, do your research first and find people who inspire you, who have the potential to grow and who also potentially love your brand and what, what it is that you do. Uh, and invest in them. It's, it, I, I think the thing that I found as, a, as an influencer myself, I don't particularly like that word influencer, but it, it, we, are all, we all have our influence. We all are influential in some way. But what's really important is that it is a two-way relationship. So they will help you, but you also need to invest in them too. It has to be a two-way relationship. I'm not sure what you think about that, Jeff. I'm sure you agree. I don't agree at all. Um, no. <laughs> yes. Uh, I, one of the things that I, I think is important is, um, and I think the savvy businesses are getting, uh, you know, really smart about this is because a lot of times the engagement, you talk to some of these influencers who have grown to hundreds of thousands of people. Let's use Instagram, for example, their engagement kind of falls off. Like it's hard for them. They're, it doesn't get shown as much. And a lot of these businesses are finding, uh, especially for niche topics, that those micro and nano influencers, like you're talking about, do a lot better. And you know, even and and it can influence sales, especially if it's a niche you're in. So, like for you, Ian, I know you're a spokesman and a uh, you know they sponsor your show. Restream does because it makes sense for them because you talk about live video and you know that's their audience who you're talking to and it's already there and it's established and it makes sense for them. So. One of the things I would say, if you have even the slightest bit of influence, and I think this is very encouraging for people who are small or just getting started, that there's still ways you can work with brands, that they're starting to get more and more interested in the smaller, um, maybe nicher things that, because they're seeing that people trust you more. Like when the Kardashians say, Jeff, you need to buy this lipstick. I'm like, nah, I have my favorite lipstick that Ian had told me about uh, that I'm going to use. But you know what I'm saying? The, it, the trust kind of falls off. But if somebody that you, like Gary Stockton shows up to every show that we do. And if I said, Gary, I really think this is really good. Gary would be more inclined to buy it than if some, you know, just big spokesman on TV would say it because, because he showed up, he trusts what we say. He knows that we provide value and information. So that is really, I think, exciting for smaller brands that you don't have to, yeah. um, you don't have to be, wait till you're like 100,000 people over on Instagram or something. I think there's there's one other thing I wanted to mention that's really important here, and and that is there needs to be honesty and uh, and transparency. I've had brands that have approached me and want to pay me to say how amazing their brand is, and then th then when you talk with them, they don't want you to mention anything negative about them, and. If, if I went out there and started talking about a company and I said they were amazing and I was, I was being paid to say they were amazing and people found out about that, then my trust level would go right down. People would, my, my audience would quite rightly not be happy with me and they wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't trust me anymore. So you've got to be respectful of the influencer's audience and they've got to be able to say, potentially some negative uh, negative things about you. I wrote an article years ago called Seven Reasons Not to Use Hootsuite. And interestingly, at the time I had an affiliate with, um, with, with Hootsuite and a few other things and a few other tools that I mentioned in that. And I got a lot of affiliate links from Hootsuite because people read that article and they thought, oh, 
Is that the only negative things about it? I'm I'm fine. I'm fine with Hootsuite. I'm going to buy it. And so you need trust level is really, really important. So don't necessarily go for the people who are saying all the most amazing things about you. Maybe go for people who are saying some negative things about you, but they've got a they've got a, a, an engaged audience. And maybe they can say some positive things and some negative things about you and you can work with them that way. It seems slightly counterintuitive, but I think trust is absolutely vital when it comes to this. And I would- uh, Well, okay, go ahead. Hold on. Ian, you mentioned trust and that's exactly where I wanna go here because you've kind of been giving some of the answers to this question I have, which is when people say the word sales, they instantly think, uh, use car salesman and pushy and shoving and all that kind of stuff. How can we, what, what are some ways that we can still do live events like shopping events and push sales but not be coming across as a used car salesman. And I think what you just said, trust is one of those aspects. Is there other aspects to it? Yeah, I think it's uh, honesty. I, I, I've never been trained in sales, but I used to work at a music shop when I was a, I was a student and I was selling these digital pianos and I found I was really good at it. In fact, <laughs> one month, much to the annoyance of all the full timers, I was part-time. I only worked two days a week. <laughs> I sold more digital pianos than any of them in that week. And uh, the way I did it was if people came into the shop, I would talk to them, not about the pianos. I just thought, oh, how's your day? I would, I'd have a conversation with them. And then I would say, oh, so, so what are you looking for? Um, and they say, oh, we're looking for a digital piano. And then, then I would say, it's a lot of digital pianos. It's really confusing. I, so I'd be using empathy. I would empathize with the situation that they were in. And then I would focus on the digital piano that I thought they would like. I wouldn't just talk about the the positives. I would say, well, there's no such thing as a perfect digital piano. This one here, I think, is great, and I think it's going to suit all your needs. It does have this one disadvantage, but I think in your situation, it's going to be amazing. And I just treat them like a human being. Now, if I went, if I pounced on them when they came in the door and said, oh, you've got to buy this piano here. It's amazing. And it's half price today. And it's good. Then they're going to run out of the store. And literally <laughs> that was the way I won't mention the, the, the name of the company, but the, we, we did have a sales um, meeting with one of the, the digital piano brands who came into the shop. And that's literally how they thought we should sell by pouncing on them. And it just didn't work. So I think you need to use empathy. You need to treat people who you're talking to like other human beings and show interest in them and in the dilemma that they're in and solve a problem for them and have fun while you're doing it. Yeah. One of the things I want to talk to uh, real quick about before we move on to the next section is uh, if you are like a, a smaller influencer or you've gotten your first brand deal or whatever, make sure you deliver. Make sure that you you want to continue that relationship and you want to go above and beyond. Uh, the you know don't be like highfalutin now that you got a brand deal. I've seen some people do it. Like I've got a deal and you know, you want to, you want to be emailing that client saying, what, Hey, is this working? What do you need? Is the landing page conversion? How can I help? You know, all that kind of stuff you want to do. So you continue the relationship, but also that leads to other ones. Cause they talk, other brands talk to other people going, you know, I had Ian on, he, he, he talked about my, you know, what, what I was doing and I got these sales. This is amazing. And so 
make sure that you go above and beyond. Don't just sit back and go, Hey, I got somebody to sponsor my show. I've got, it's, it's, it's made, you know? So anyway, I just wanted to, to point that out. Um, yeah. Katie says, serve, don't sell. And she got that actually from uh, our friend, Kim Garst. Uh, she says, doesn't actually mean don't sell. She means do it as a service. Totally agree, Katie. Um, and Gary says, I think Ross Brand does a great job of talking about products live in a non-salesy way. And I think uh, that is very, very true. And the other thing is, is like Ian said, only only recommend products that you use or that you, uh, you know, endorse. Like, I was a fan of Ecamm way before uh, they sponsored the show. And by the way, you can find out more about Ecamm by going to socialmedianewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. See how I did that? Seamless. Um, Wait, what did you say? Yeah, I didn't hear that. that but <laughs> socialmedianewslive.com forward slash ecam because I love them. I love Katie and the the guys over there, and uh, I I I am a fan. I was a fan before we even talked about sponsorship, and so that's why um, I think this is so important. Is use those tools, and if you love something, reach out to them. That's what I did with ecam. I'm like, I love you guys. What can I do to help? And then it the relationship developed. And I mean, Ian and I spoke at their booth. We did an interview like two years ago at social media marketing world. And then it's all about relationships guys. And so I just, um, I think the more you can do that, the, the better off you'll be. So that's all I wanted to say about that, but I thought that was a good, good transition. So next section, this is an interesting, uh, one as, uh, Ian and I are big fans of this. So repurposing live video and the, the uh, importance of that. So if you've been noticing throughout this entire show, I've been flashing up Ian's lower third. I've been putting the title up and I'm using uh, the stream deck to do that with uh, while we're talking. And one of the reasons I do that is because everything that Ian says is going to be repurposed to put out of my channel. And I want those lower thirds to show up in an easy way when I chop it up later. So Ian, uh, we both see the value of repurposing live video what are some tools and tips that you use to do this? Well, one of the reasons I love repurposing live video is I'm a recovering perfectionist, like a lot of people <laughs> I'm sure here. And the idea of creating a blog post, like this is what we're told. You need to create blogs. You need to do a podcast. You need to do a live video. You need to create social media images. Are you exhausted? I'm exhausted. And just listening to that list, but with live video, you go live, you obviously you plan, you know, like Jeff and Eric have planned meticulously, I have to say, oh, right. the, the, you should see all the show notes, it's amazing. And so they've, they've done that, but the, we've gone live. And then from this, you can then easily repurpose this into lots of different content. My friend Amy Woods calls these vi like video babies is one of them. So you could like cut them up and create these little videos on Instagram or LinkedIn. So tools, I know a big, you're a big fan, Jeff, of uh, Descript. Descript oh, yeah. is an amazing tool. So you can just download uh, the video from, or, or get it from Ecamm or Restream Studio, bung it into Descript, cut it up. Well, first of all, it will uh, transcribe your uh, transcribe your audio into text, into words, which you can then uh, edit into lots of snippets for all those different channels. Um, so Instagram, uh, a square video, a, a rectangular landscape video, that kind of thing. And you can even put the captions on the screen as well. So I would definitely recommend Descript. And that's also the way you can edit it, edit the audio and turn it into a podcast. So again, with Ecamm Live or Restream Studio, you can... Uh, you can switch something on 
to uh, have your audio and your guests audio on different different tracks so if i was about to have a, a coughing fit while uh, eric or jeff was talking um, then jeff would be able to edit those bits out and it makes it a lot easier for later so you can turn it into a podcast which is what i do with my show uh, turn it into a blog post or show notes um, so I think Descript is probably one of my favorite tools. There's another tool called Headliner, headliner.app, which is great for those audiograms and for those short videos as well. And uh, my goodness, I could go on. There's Easel, there's Canva, there's those tools as well for those images. Um, but I start my the first, the central tool for everything that I do is Ecamm Live. And that then gets sent out to Restream. So I get uh, it gets sent out to all these different uh, channels uh, across the interwebs. And then, of course, I then repurpose that into blog posts, podcasts, uh, little video babies as well. And uh, it saves so much time. It's amazing. Wow, that was, that was worth the price of admission right there, that whole breakdown yeah. there, Ian. Uh, I have a question. So if, obviously, with a live show, one of the main points is to have engagement, to interact with the audience. We've been talking about this the whole episode. And I'm wondering, though, how do you maintain a balance between engage with the audience and yet also have segments yeah. that are worthy of chopping up into babies? To That's such a weird phrase. Uh, to, <laughs> um, <laughs> to repurpose. <laughs> Yeah, um, it does sound a bit uh, dodgy, that, isn't it? Chopping up into babies. But yeah, this is the three audiences problem. And podcasts, there are advantages and disadvantages in using your live video and turning it into a podcast. Disadvantage first. Let's talk about the disadvantages. First of all, if you are used to want to, if you want to batch record your podcast, then you can't do that with live video because like four live videos in a row, that's not going to work. So that's one disadvantage. But and of course, the other disadvantage is you have to then juggle the different audiences. There are three audiences to this show, for example. We, if you are watching live now, then that you are in the live audience and you feel part of a community. So there are other people watching live. You can see them, you can see the comments, and you are watching live. Then there are the people in the future. Hello, future people. <laughs> you are the replay audience. And so, but you're watching more, it's a more of an intimate experience you're watching on your own. You can see comments from the past, but no one else is watching with you. And then you've got, if you're repurposing it into a podcast, you've got your podcast listeners. Again, in the future and a more intimate experience, even more so with podcasting, they're plugging you into their ears, but they are, they can only listen, they can't see what's on the screen. And so this is what you need to think about when you're delivering a live show. You need to think about those three audiences continually and you need to structure the show in a way that thinks about those different people. Because if you ignore your live viewers, they're not gonna feel loved. But if you spend too much time with your live viewers, it's gonna be really boring for your podcast listeners and your replay audience. They're gonna think, well, they're not interested. They the hosts are only interested in the live people and it, it becomes really boring. So I structure my shows in, in a similar way to the way you do, Jeff. I, I have it my live segment at the beginning where I chat with my audience and then I, I trim that off at the end. What for, for the replay audience, they don't see that because I trim that off and the podcast listeners don't hear that. And then with the, the main show, I will 
break it up into segments. So I have main segment number one, and then I will engage with my audience. Segment number two, engage with the audience. Segment number three, engage with my audience that way. And quite frankly, on a live show, my audience ask amazing questions. So as, as on this show, like Jeff, Eric, you ask me questions and then Sometimes someone will ask a really amazing question or a comment in, in, the, in the comments and you will bring that in to the show. And I think that works really well for the replay and it works really well for the podcast. What you don't want to do is spend is get distracted by the comments and say, oh, look, Billy's there. Hello, Billy. Do you, oh, do you remember last week? Oh, we had a great time. That won't work. Uh, but make sure that you are engaging with your audience and you're making it valuable for all those three audiences. I think that's really key. Um, one of the things, and I think it also depends on like when I love multi-streaming, which a lot of people will have one channel that does better for them than another. So like if you look at Luria's show and she does a genius way of segmenting her show, she does a, like a live segment and then she does something special just for her membership. But before she goes over there to her, like her, her select group, she'll go over off to the side and um, start talking and wrapping things up. She does that so she can put that YouTube thumbnail at the corner uh, for like, you know, coming up next. So she's thinking about her YouTube audience when mm. she's doing her live. One of the things I'm doing, like when I go uh, full screen to Ian, um, one of the things is I ask a question and then usually he spends some time answering. This is a great section for me to repurpose. Now I could actually have it like this without the overlays, but because I know most of my viewers as of now are coming from social, I leave this I, th I know they're kind of goofy and they look like 80s, but so does Ian. Um, but I do that because that catches people's eye. I've done tests with it on and with off. And that goofy little overlay that we have on there catches people's eyes for the social clips that I use. And so I'm doing this for the replay or the repurposing later. So uh, as you do that, start thinking and testing things. What's working? Why is this working? There's a reason why we have this movement background going right now because this catches people's eye if they're flicking through the feed. Um, so Gary said, yeah, brilliant. Uh, so that thumbnails are embedded in the actual footage. Yeah, that's why I do that. It's a time saver. And this is a great point too, Gary uh, brings up. Cher Jones asked her audience to uh, do hashtag uh, team live or hashtag team replay. So she knows where it's coming from, but it also, that's a great way of, as uh, Ian was saying at the very beginning to signal the algorithm uh, you know, that this is that people are commenting on this video and it's really, really good. So excellent mm. things. Ian, where do you, where's the best place that you found that your repurpose video, not your live video, but like when you repurpose video, is there a platform that does better for you than the others? I'm still experimenting with this because quite frankly, it's changing all the time. And so I, I don't think you might settle on a, on a place for a little bit, but then things change. So for example, for me, I found that LinkedIn Live originally was, I was getting loads and loads of engagement. And then I found that actually pre-recorded video worked better on LinkedIn. And now I'm finding that actually LinkedIn Live is working. So it, it, it kind of changes a lot. I'm finding that uh, I love I love Instagram Reels. I'm using that a lot. And I'm getting a lot of engagement uh, on Instagram Reels. Uh, not quite so much for the repurposed content though. So for repurposed content, I'm probably getting the most engagement actually, funnily enough, on Facebook. Mm. So Facebook is, I'm getting the most, but that's probably going to change. 
so on a on a week by week basis, I think you need to keep looking at the analytics, keep tweaking. I'd love to say to you now, this network here is the best one. I I found that I was multi-streaming to all these channels, and I wasn't getting there's a there's a there's a uh, streaming platform called DLive. I don't know if anyone's heard of DLive. I was getting like nothing on DLive. And then suddenly I had a couple of people pop up and they loved the show and they turned up next week on DLive. And I had to remember to go in and, and like work out how to edit my profile and do all these other things. So uh, yeah, just keep experimenting and uh, keep playing around with these things because like my experience will be different to your experience and it changes on a week by week basis. Yes, great point. So uh, keep the analytics, you know, and keep trying. And that's what's the geniuses of, of uh, uh, EKM and Restream is now we can go to all these places. And before it was fragmented, but now we can all uh, bring those comments in from every place. Like Gary was on YouTube. Um, you know, Martin was over on LinkedIn. Louise is on LinkedIn too. I mean, uh, Facebook, Phil was on Facebook. I mean, all these people at different places. And I just, it's so cool now that you, your audience can pick where they want to watch from. And I think that is amazing. So this next and our final section, we only got a few minutes left with this, but I thought this was fascinating and it's live video and the metaverse. So Eric, tell us what is the metaverse and how do we get in it? <laughs> yeah. I love the multiverse. Oh, yeah. wait, wrong. That's wrong a different thing. thing. Yeah. Um, the metaverse is, <laughs> Um, basically Facebook is going all in and have been for a while on their Oculus, their VR stuff and creating worlds inside of tech. You know, we're talking ready player one type stuff. And, uh, basically they've come out with something called horizon, uh, workrooms, which Jeff, I think you and I need to play with this on our right. Oculuses at right. some point here, along with a couple other friends that have mentioned it. And basically it's a way to have more immersive communication inside of a digital place or digital space when you are physically apart, like a lot of us have been for a while now. And next year, uh, Zoom, has been, it's been announced Zoom is coming to Facebook's Horizon Workrooms. It's going to create a way for them to have uh, shared VR meeting space to host video meetings and connect with like a Zoom whiteboard. And you're going to be able to pin that whiteboard to a virtual desk or to a wall so everybody can see it. And you can draw on it and colleagues can do that as well or just watch. It's very interesting. I mean, we've we've talked humorously about some of the changes that we never thought would stay, you know, uh, like 24 hour disappearing images and video right. and live online shopping. And so I don't know if they could make VR a little less just lawnmower man and strange. <laughs> right. Do you think, you know, what do you guys think about this? Is this something that you could adopt? I know Jeff and I, you both have, you and I both have Oculuses. Ian, what do you think? Yeah, uh, I I think I think it's coming. I don't think it's yet, but this this is exciting stuff. Uh, and I, I think particularly over the last year, because so many of us have been trapped at home in front of Zoom, and our he heads have exploded with boredom with the experience of. Zoom. I mean, Zoom's great. Don't get me wrong, but it's like you're meeting in front of a flat screen. It's exhausting uh, because. And I looked into this because I've, I thought, why are Zoom, why are Zoom meetings so tiring? And it's because you're on camera all the time and you're looking at the screen. 
Whereas in person, you you might be looking over the, you might be looking over out the window. And I think with these VR experiences, it will feel less uh, tiring to have these meetings. But I don't think we're there yet. And I think these companies like like Facebook, they need to do a much better job at making it less geeky. I mean, for goodness sake, metaverse. Like to us geeks, that's fine. But for, <laughs> for the most of the world, they're not going to understand what that is. And I think you're right with the whole putting the putting the, the the headset on. I think it's becoming a bit more cool and a bit more mainstream. And I, I am starting to see VR headsets in regular stores, um, but the prices need to come down. And I think it you just need to, that, that there needs to be a real pull. A re, before people get on and put these headsets on, there needs to be, a, they need to know that there is a real advantage and maybe the advantage is it's going to be less tiring. It's going to make meetings much more engaging and fun. Um, but it kind of reminds me of, do you remember Second Life? I mean, I'm, I'm yeah, saying yeah. my age It's now. still there. Uh, wait, wait, is it still there? Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, people used, to, people used to kind of call it Get a Life. <laughs> uh, I wonder whether it's, uh, you know, we've got, to, we've got to think about that here. I don't know. So have you put on Oculus? Have you, have you tried VR yet, Ian, at all? No, the, the closest I've got to is is Google Cardboard, which no. is not the same. Uh, so I, I want to get, I do want, it's on my list. Anopolis is on my list. So I think live video is going to have a space in there because I, I've mm. actually watched live video inside of Oculus. And the cool thing is it's a huge, a huge TV. There's a, an app in there that I love called uh, Big Screen, which is like these virtual theaters with dynamic lighting. It's like you're there in the theater. Um, and I've watched the SpaceX launch in there. And it's amazing. I mean, it's just fun. The the thing is, if you haven't put them on yet, it's it, it is you can't explain it. It's just it's really freaky, but it's really really cool. So here's the thing: I only uh, with only really super close friends, and with um, I, I don't like I've never liked chat rooms or going into places where I don't know. It is so intimate. Like Eric and I got on it together. We were testing some video stuff, and it's like he was sitting beside me, and I can't handle that with with other people. I mean, you know what I mean? Like that. I don't know. It was weird enough that Eric was there. I mean, it really yes. does. It sounds like they're right there beside you and you look and there's his avatar. And now I can see how that would be great for this work rooms. And I, sh and now they like, I can actually draw my desk now and draw my couch and move between those spaces inside of VR. So it's coming and we're going to be watching live video on there and there's going to be stuff that happens, but, and it's intimate. That's the thing. Like you're going to be able to do this with like, Eric and I will be able to collaborate on projects and have a big whiteboard and all that stuff. So it's coming. So I always thought we'd never have a television studio in our pocket and look what we're doing now. So I don't say no anymore that that's a stupid idea because stuff happens. So anyway, end of rant, but it's very, very cool. So I think it's going to happen. <laughs> so before we, we're at the end of our time, uh, Ian, I want to make sure that you have plenty of time to tell people where to find you all about your podcast and all the good stuff that is Ian Anderson Gray. Oh, thanks. Well, yeah, you do. Uh, I, I have the Confident Live Marketing Podcast, which goes live every Friday. Uh, so actually today I've got Phil Michon on the show and I have a bit of fun every week and uh, sing a silly little theme tune uh, every week. So I'm looking forward to when Eric's on because uh, I can't remember oh. what style Eric asked for, but uh, that's coming soon. Uh, so you can find out more about that at iag.me forward slash podcast or just search for the Confident Live marketing podcast um, and i've also got a course coming up very soon it's the confident line marketing academy and more about that is on the website at iag.me 
Awesome. And where can people find out about all things Eric Fisher and your amazing podcast? Yeah, check it out over at beyondthetodolist.com. It's going on 10 years now podcast of productivity. And if you've got a headache in terms of productivity, I've actually got some short casts that I released in the feed uh, Mm. that are out there from September. We're now in October, which is amazing. Um, Seven to 10 minutes long. So if you need a quick boost to productivity, we've got some greats like James Clear, Laura Vanderkam, um, uh, Near Eyal, and I forget what the other one was, but they, those are quick little boosts. And then we got longer episodes as well. Yeah. Who's on your late, most late, uh, latest episode? Uh, the latest episode, uh, Dory Clark, thinking oh. long-term as a skill is a really great episode. Check that one out. Awesome. So make sure to go to beyond the to-do list and check that out. And also go to, uh, Ian's podcast at IAG.me forward slash podcast and leave them a rating and review because that really does help get the word out. We are also a podcast. And if you would go to your favorite podcast player and search social media news live, you can listen to this if you're not able to join us live. And with that, we thank you guys so much. Thank you for our sponsor, uh, uh, Ecamm, I've talked about them all day. I can't even remember them now. Ecamm, they're amazing. You go to socialmediannewslive.com forward slash Ecamm. Our next show is Friday, October 8th at uh, 10 a.m. Central. And you can find us on YouTube, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Amazon Live. Appreciate all you guys for showing up. Andy Traub, thank you for popping in. Phil, thank you for popping in. All, Louise, everybody who showed up. We could not do the show without you. And we will see you guys all next week. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Social Media News Live.